Welcome to Life With Your Dog podcast. Our focus is educating dog owners, enthusiasts and dog trainers about ideas on how to train, manage, live and thrive with our dogs. To teach dogs to live in our society while our dogs teach us how to live in the now. I'm your host Panos Anagnostou. And I'm your co-host Luke Badman. Thank you for joining us and we hope you enjoy the show. Welcome back to another episode of Life With Your Dog. My name is Panos and I'm with my good brother, Luke. How are you, my bro? Good to see you, mate. How are we? Very, very good. It's a beautiful, beautiful weather down here in Sydney. We've had some really good news this week. Um, I don't know if you heard. They said that the end of La Nina is in sight within the next maybe six weeks. So Hopefully they are not lying to us. Yeah, otherwise it would have been three summers in a row where we had La Nina and uh, constant rain and mold. <laughs> and isn't it? Is, is it an? I'll, I'll be interested to hear about international listeners here. But is it an Aussie thing to talk about the weather all the time? Or is Maybe. It, <laughs> <laughs> um, and it's not like we're bored. You know, most people are bored and they're like, oh, you know, just you walk past the neighbour and they're like, oh, you know, good weather, bad weather. <laughs> but well, we've had more rain this year than London. Which is unheard of. That is unheard of. Mm. And I guess it's, well, why is it, like, is it a human condition that we talk about the weather? Well, we are nature, just pocketed into a biological organism roaming around. So, you know, however the weather is, it directly affects how we, how we, um, how we feel, but also how we work, like, you know, being full-time dog trainer, if it's raining three days in a row, hard raining, we, it affects the way that we do everything, you know? Um, yeah, it doesn't help. You can train dogs inside the house, but if we're like walking issues, reactivity, things like that. Actually, the other day talking about weather, it was such a beautiful day. So sunny. I was like trying to find the shade to like talk. And then we went for a walk and then I saw this like demon in the distance coming to us. And I was like, well, it looks like a bloody tidal wave. I'm like, maybe we should walk back and we're four blocks away from the chick's house. As we start walking back, The it rained storm. the hardest. Wait, was that um, was that yesterday or the other day? There was like, a really heavy storm. Man, I'm telling you, I haven't been that wet before. I was wet to every single garment. Like you fell like, in the pool. Fully in the pool. I'm like, we're finishing this session early. I'm going to go home and have a shower because I'm freezing cold. And the dogs were very miserable. So, um, but yeah, all is good. And um, had a busy week as well, which is awesome. And today's topic, we're going to get straight in. Start, I just to want to send... Um, uh, our well wishes and our thoughts to Roger. He's had some very unfortunate news. Um, I think in the last week or so, his dog got diagnosed with like stage four cancer very oh, suddenly. No. Um, so very, very sad news. And he's a long time friend of the podcast, long time listener. He's always messaging me and you and you know, oh, Roger back and forth. So very sad oh, news. So that is very sad. I'm so sorry to hear. Yes, I'm going to reach out to you as soon as we get off just to um, tee up because he sends us a lot of support and um, oh, that's that's horrible, man. Mm. You know, there's that's one one bad thing about uh, about and a lot of dog owners have they have the experience of bonding and connecting, especially going through a heavy training schedule with the dog and that bonding experience that you get through the training and through the learning and everything that happens. And you know, our dogs, you know, life goes so fast and our dogs don't live long enough and and these things, these unfortunate situations seem like they happen out of nowhere, which they do. And then it's, um, it's crushing, but, um, we're sending, sending lots of love and strength to you. I didn't know that news to me. 
Mm. Very, very sad. I think it's only in the last few days here. So, oh man, yeah. Lots of love to you, brother. Stay strong. And these are the times where we appreciate the most out of our dogs. And it's something like you know it happens to us, right? We we take we take our our dogs for granted. They're always there. They're always there. And then you know these things happen. And hopefully we can um we can make make the most of our most beautiful memories with our dogs and give them the best that we can. Oh gosh. Oh man. Got me crushed just at the beginning of the podcast. Yeah. I'm going Sorry, now. Mate. No, <laughs> that's all right. Um, topic of the week. Topic of the week. Seeking multiple dog trainers in the last, and I think we talked about this at the, right at the end of our last um, episode, but I'll reiterate it now. In the last couple of weeks, I've seen maybe three or four clients that have had that I would be their third, fourth, or even fifth trainer. And not always like, I know we're going to like, you know, talk about the, the pros, pros and, and the cons. cons. Yeah. It's not always like a negative thing, but. It's not. No, for sure. Well, like in one way, of course, there's heaps of negatives to it. But then if, if a, a, you know, a competent dog trainer is the fifth person that sees you and then we achieve the results we want, well, then that can't be a bad thing. But then there's many reasons of, well, why is this the case? Why is this happening? And I guess. Some of the lists that we go through today is going to be limited because I'm sure there's many other reasons why that we either we haven't thought about talking about or that we probably don't have the time to talk about. But um, the first on my list here um, under why is there are many training modalities and with many training modalities and schools of thought and application of training and understanding of behavior is not everyone resonates with each trainer or the methods and techniques that are used. So, um, and with that brings up, you know, a whole bunch of different questions like, oh, I just didn't like what he did. I just don't like the collar or, um, or whatever it is, but with, so I guess that comes from like a personal perspective. Hey, I just, I just didn't like that. So we just didn't do it. So I put the dog on a halty. So, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Um, I got a and, lot of replies to that post, by the way. Yeah, I saw that on your stories. Um, a, and, lot, and it, a lot, a lot of people replied to that. Yeah, um, it sucks, right? Um, we won't, we won't make this a halty podcast, but I guess um, we should probably have an episode about why we don't like halties. Um, it's, a, but, it's a good example. It's like there might be someone who, let's say, I tell them to put the dog on a slip or a martingale, and then. You know whether or not they go to another trainer or not, but at some point they've been recommended by either a video or a friend or another trainer to put it on a halty. And I'm super against halties. Like I'll just put it out there. I don't like them, and I would never use one. Mm. Um, I think it's a lazy option. Yeah, look, like it's another tool, just like anything. So anything could be used w w when it needs to be. In in my situation, I've never ever fitted a halty on a dog as a recommended tool because I recommend many other tools before I would even consider that. Um, but I guess we can rattle off real quickly why. If anyone's like, I use a halty, what's wrong with them? Don't wait for another episode to talk about it right now. Um, a couple of things. If you don't condition that tool properly and you don't make it a, a very positive experience, you're just whacking something over a dog's face and you're just dragging around the, the, the streets going, hey, follow me, follow me, follow me. And ironically, a lot of force-free type of trainers, not everyone, but a lot of them typically use that and it's the most force you can put on a dog. Mm. Um, and I you think crush about like where it attaches to the dog's face, it's right up around their eyes. Not only that, the leverage is on their snout 
back on back across their neck. So as in like the reason that it may work is because you're literally like turning the dog's head or pulling it against its own kind of like spinal column. Well, like people aren't like, so first of all, if you don't condition it properly, you're just shoving it on a dog. You need to just like muzzle conditioning. You got to, it has to be like a drawn out process over like, you know, a week or two to kind of show that it's a positive experience rather than a negative experience. So number one, you've, it looks like it works because a dog's shut down and flattened out, has like learned helplessness because it doesn't have any way of of um, experiencing anything positive because first of all, just having it on is uncomfortable, saying to say the least. Um, but then also shuts them down because they feel so restricted, number two. Number three is, yes, you can cut the sides of their eyes, but even worse is that you can like do spinal column damage while you're leveraging the dog's um dogs from their muzzle you're just pulling it as the dog lunges forward you're you're whiplashing the dog and you and you can like literally you know break a dog's neck um ironically to having a slip lead on which is actually connected to the neck you you there is like the the difference of the damage you can do is 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 um he's like it's night and day yeah it's crazy so um and also as soon as you take the dog off the the, the halty then the dog's behavior is all really crappy um, because the dog was only submitting to the situation because it was a halty on and not it was not learning any real skills and a lot of the people that have the halty on and again through multiple trainers you see them they got the halty on and i'm like how did they show you to use that i didn't like there was no technique it just put it on i'm like but like you need to like learn while the dog's walking the pressure of the the halty is on when the dog's next to you you release the pressure you and you like there's a technique to it there's it's not just about putting it on it's craziness so um I hate that. Yeah, I hate that too. Um, but um, trainers lacking experience in teaching. So there may be many trainers that are decent at training dogs, but really suck at explaining dog training to a person who doesn't know anything about dog training and dog behavior, and then applying the skills that that person has. It just it can't come out their mouth and out through their their training technique enough so that the client can absorb the information, be broken down to a step-by-step process so that the person who's hired the trainer to, to effectively, you know, carry on the training. So when someone sees somebody, they see them for one, two, three sessions, if they're not good, then they're like, well, we have to see somebody else. And that's a pretty valid thing. So that would be on the pro side is that, Yes, of course, we didn't have much success with that person, so we're going to go see somebody else. But um, And so you should, right? If you went to a therapist and you weren't getting, you know, the right treatment or you wanted a second opinion, you should probably go see somebody else, correct? Yes, for sure. And, but- and, and like, look, again, like this is not an episode of just rail on people who go to other trainers. It's like everyone's within their rights to go to multiple trainers but is it for the right reason exactly so is it just because you didn't listen and you didn't take the advice and you're just seeking maybe someone to placate what you might have already had in your mind as the mm -hmm. dog owner that's one possibility for sure so i was trying to i was trying to start on being positive by saying if you saw someone that he wasn't saw somebody that didn't you didn't resonate with because first of all off the bat emotionally you didn't like their training oh i don't like slip leads oh that guy was horrible he was way too assertive and you can imagine all the other um, adjectives that you could describe somebody that you don't like so then it's like no we're going to go see somebody else because we didn't like it and they didn't really even absorb any of the the session 
But on the other side, it could be clients searching for the quick fix. Oh, well, yeah, we had training. We did training and training didn't work. We did one or two sessions and this other trainer said he could fix the dog. Fix the dog. Yeah, fix the dog. I found a different trainer who said he could fix the dog in one session. Yeah. And I just, you know, I only want to spend X amount on the training. So we went with him. Well, yeah, exactly. Um, And it's we have to understand that training is a process and it's not a fix. Like we don't fix anything. We go through the process of understanding the behavior of the dog. We understand what's the, what is the methods used so that we can work towards our goals and work towards the client's goals or for the people, the dog's goals, like what we want the dog to experience. And then also something that you could replicate so that you can do when the trainer's not around. And if people like if trainers aren't educated, so first of all, some trainers are just educated on just one spectrum of training and they haven't developed or even been exposed to the whole gamut of what behavior theory can be. So as as both of us have been trained through the NDTF um, and we both know firsthand that they give you everything, they'll teach you every single tool that you could use, every single understanding um, of learning theory and just for example they'll show you the four quadrants of operant conditioning you know negative and positive punishment negative and positive reinforcement explaining what all of it means and then going through which each trainer who's there to demonstrate can show them the way that they utilize the theory and put into application but they give you everything and then it's on you to then take what you've learned and then and then try to experiment with your own dog and with other dogs and things like that And then like, you know, this is the information. Now utilize that information as much as you can, rather than going to a training course, going, this is our cult and this is our methodology. And you must live by these rules because you are part of this organization, which we emotionally have chosen. This is the only way to train a dog. And then people get indoctrinated within that um, organization and that mindset. That religion, so to speak, yeah. And then going out there going, this is the only way to train them because it's what I've been taught. And very compellingly, they, they've believed it and gone, this is the only way to do it. And that's probably the reason why. Like the why is, well, why aren't all trainers competent? Like you would say, this is not true, but every tradesperson is like, can be competent, incompetent. But like as a general sense, if there was like a, because we're not um, licensed and qualified under a governing body to be a dog trainer, especially in Australia, there's no like um, requirement to be a dog trainer. Any Joe bloke can be a dog trainer, which then means, oh, well, you know, I liked what they said um, on Instagram. Oh, I saw their prices were a certain amount. They must be good. And I'm, I've just gone with him. So, and that kind of gives a bad taste in people's mouths. Look, I've seen three people. Those three people were incompetent. I tried training. It training didn't work. And that's the problem. That's the biggest problem in the dog training. It's funny too, right? Because let's say that, let's say, okay, so let's say someone went to a trainer and they um, didn't get the results that they wanted. But like probably that trainer had had results with multiple other dogs, successful results. And that's how they built the business in the first place to the point where they have enough reputation or enough reviews or whatever that this other person, when they were first, um, researching them, looked at them and thought, hmm, they could probably help me. But then they didn't get the results. So it's like, well, not every dog is the same, you know, and the trainer might have success with some dogs, but not with others. Um, so it's a whole, like, it's a whole mixed bag. There's no, 
There's so many variables, yeah. So, like, the the fault goes on two ends. It's either incompetent trainer or incompetent client or dog owner. And and then it could be the combination of both as well as – and also there could be very, very difficult dogs that the trainer was competent but, like, in a general sense, gets 90% success with most of their clients but has never had experience with this one particular type of dog behavior like you know there could be like an anomaly within that and it's like oh this dog's really tough and hasn't got the experience and then also are trainers willing to refer themselves refer those clients out to somebody that they know that are better like their mentors or other people in the industry going hey you should probably try this people and that person and that's really important as well Um, and that's and that's what I do if there's something that I'm like "Mm, this is a little bit way over my head I haven't seen this before or my technique and my explanation to you isn't working um, I think it's best that we part for a, for a little bit, try, you know, X, see how they go, report back to me, keep me in the loop, keep me posted every month, let me know your progress, and then we can kind of come back a full circle just so I can see, can I learn something from that experience, from your experience rather, or, hey, look, it didn't work. They 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 recommended the same things that you recommended, and it's like, I don't know what else to say from here. And that's sometimes that happens, right? Um, and this is a, a bit of an, ex- like we're exposing ourselves. We're always being truthful for how training works and training doesn't always work. You don't want to be somebody who says, oh, I've got the magic bullet and I make everything happen. I'm the dog whisperer. Because um, I don't think every dog can be fixed. Because um, there's, there's a certain level of a dog. I hate that term, dog whisperer. Yeah, it's the worst, right? Um, so, um, but if people are looking isn't, for a- isn't Isn't that what Caesar Milan calls himself? The dog whisperer? Is it? I don't know. Yeah, it's a dog. yeah he's, he's the dog whisperer. Um, so, um, you know, it, it, the the fault for reason why, like, look, and some people have seen one trainer and one trainer only and everything that they wanted to achieve has worked and been successful and happy days. We get to live happily ever after with our dog. That's the goal, right? So, um, but it does get you a little bit worked up and it's like, hey, didn't I just see you three weeks ago I, I, and you just told me that you saw somebody else and now you're back at me? It's like, you can't be... So this is the the the, the annoyance training is, hopper, yeah, trainer tra- trainer hopper, yeah, the trainer hopper. You're going from one to another to another to another, and then going, hey, listen, like this is the problem. This is like the the problem is that you need to commit to a system and exactly. see how the you do ten percent of anything, not it won't work. If you've stuck this with guy it for said six this, months, but you said this, and another guy said this. It's like yeah, but if you commit to hundred percent of any of those things, you'll get results. Because there's many ways. So the you're center, trying to right? make a Frankenstein out of five, you know, three or four different trainers. Like, so if you've seen if you've seen four trainers in the space of eighteen months or two years, I'd say, well, then that could be worthy. Look, we stuck with this person for a few months. We saw zero results, or we saw no no results from session one. Because I've also heard this: trainer comes in three hour session. Trainer does not interact with the dog. Sits on the couch and talks to the owners for the whole time. That's not dog training. That sucks. That's bad. You should be like, never see that person again. And I've heard that and I can, I won't rattle any names, but it's a consistent people over and over again doing the same thing. Wow. Um, it's just craziness. It's and, amazing that they're still in business, really. Well, yeah, with the rates that they charge, they can, they can see two of those people a week and be good, right? So, um, so that's very frustrating when it's like, what do you mean? They never really, like, they never touched the dog, never did anything with the dog, never really even saw the dog. I'm like, that's ridiculous. Um, so if you've, if it's been, let's just say two years and you've seen three different trainers and you're genuinely on the the journey for training, then you're doing the right thing. You're trying to get to the bottom of your situation, trying to find success. I'm all for that. 
it's within two months, you've seen three different people. That just doesn't show much integrity within your system. And you're just trying to find a quick fix. You're trying to hear something that you want to hear. So you go, yep, I fully agree with that. I'm going with it. It could also be that we live in a very fast paced society that we thought, I thought we could fix this like in, in, you know, in 20 minutes or when you hold the leash, you being the trainer, the dog's doing it. But when I hold the leader, doesn't do it. I'm going to go somewhere else. And then someone else can teach me. It's like, but if the trainer who was just handling your dog got success and, and it's working. Then what's then, the common denominator here? Exactly. So this is like the questions you should ask yourself. If you're in that I mean, position. that's also another topic. It's like, um, you know, the trainer doing something with the dog versus actually coaching the owner to do it is two separate things. Of and then course. Then comes in to the you know into the discussion is um the owner's skills leash handling skills you know timing markers all that kind of thing versus the trainer and like you know any com- any competent dog trainer can make a dog look good that's but true too. if you're only with the um client for an hour two hours and then you leave you know can the can the owner replicate that exactly. and ultimately i guess that's what we're trying to achieve so but i guess 100%. that's the point of this episode is it it is very complex. Dog training is complex. Like it's yes. no, there's no silver bullet. Mm-hmm. You know, we're true. dealing with living creatures. And so. we may contradict ourselves as well because we have many thoughts on this. But as we get, like I've got a list here, and as we go through each top point, one point reinforces the other point but contradicts the, the point before because, yeah, yes, you're right. Yeah, I can grab the dog and the dog feels, you know, like, oh, wow, you've been assertive from day dot. The moment I've met you, I'm going to listen, not because a dog shut down, but because a dog just understands you. And yeah, my skills may be good enough that my timing's great, but then the timing on in on the client's end isn't great. But a good dog trainer in 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 regards to the scope of what our podcast is about, not about training dogs, but training people to train their dogs, is that the skill is in teaching, handling, and training skills and being able to coach the person to coach the dog. And that's where the that's where the real skill is, is about how do you express the knowledge and the theory and coaching them through each individual step. Hey, see how you move there and your hands there, you're going to move it here. Those are the, the it's the it's the missing links, which is what you got to reinforce like what you got to really like hone in on the most. And that comes through experience, right? So someone can be you know, learnt the skills, got the course, and then training dogs, especially for more complex things straight away off the bat, it could be very difficult. I always recommend getting as much experience as you can first, like with many dogs, work under, you know, multiple trainers so you can so you can get a wide variety of of experience and put it within yourself and then you can go out there. Like I think that's the best way. Not everyone has access to all of that all the time and, and the resources, but and then of course throughout training you learn as you go i'm still learning every day and it's been a decade and and i'll continue to learn i'll never go oh, look look how good i am i've done it for the x amount of times because I'm, I'm i got x amount of years i'm still learning and growing and i'm sure that you're going to make mistakes and hopefully from the trainer's perspective you've learned the mistake when it didn't go so well you've learned from it so that you can write it down and go on i won't make that mistake again it worked for that dog, but today's dog, it just didn't work. Damn it. I thought it would. Um, and and then, of course, explaining that. If you're a trainer and you feel like, hey, look, um, so, you know, f- just f- for a- an example, um, when we were working with a reactive dog the other day and 
everything was going really well and dropped my guard a little bit and the dog was like on a long lead and I just kind of let her kind of like go a little bit behind me out of sight and then boom, like went for chili real quick, like where they're like really like there wasn't any, like the dog didn't get attacked. Like chili didn't get attacked, but it was, it was a moment where I'm like, look, listen, just letting you know the situation happened. Yes, we rectified and we got on top of it very quickly. And of course, I shouldn't have let that happen. And I'll tell you why I let it happen because I dropped my guard. I was talking to you. I forgot about it. I got a little bit too confident with the dogs. I thought they were going well. Just letting you know it's unideal. That's where I made the mistake. You, you can't, like, you got to own some of that so that you, so you can show your clients that I'm a human as well and that sometimes we make a mistake. Now, of it wasn't course. like my dog attacked their of dog. You, of course, you make mistakes. But it's, it's important. Not, you're not per- no one's perfect. Otherwise, and you can imagine some of the people may feel. Oh, well, you know, because your dog's that and blah, 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 because they can't, because their ego's too flared up that they can't own it up, own up to it, and that they can't let, allow a learning lesson. Like, obviously, I've learned from that moment only a couple of days ago. Don't get too cocky and don't allow the dog, especially a, a dog with that, with her caliber, to get out of your sight because anything can happen real quickly. Chili disappeared from his downstay and or he wasn't a downstairs, but he was off. I told him to wait in one area and he walked around the, the bushes and the dog was there and blah, blah, blah. And these things unfold. But showing your vulnerability in that moment to be going, hey, look, I know I'm supposed to be the guy that's, you know, holding all the information and knowledge and supposed to get all the success. But in this moment, I screwed up and this is something that you should learn. So like, you know, communicating through every single step and being a trainer who's a super transparent. And as long as you're getting success each session that you see each other, we're making progress towards our goal. As from the client's perspective, you're like, we're on the right track. We're not going to session one to session two. We're not going to have miracles, but we're going to, we're on this, on the right track and always be reassessing our goals each time we see each other. I think it's really important to keep the clients on board and sticking to the system because real quickly, as one of my, um, my notes here, I just want to find it real quickly because I think I wrote it down nicely. Um, is, um, you wrote so many notes you can't find. I wrote too many. <laughs> so, like each session. Okay, so for example, session one, introductory session. We're learning how to hold the leash, basic commands. This is just in a general sense. Um, have like understanding what markers are. Um, understanding if it's like reactivity, for example, like understanding what kind of conditioning is desensitization. We're not talking about these technical terms and saying it to the client, but we're explaining the process so that we can layer a good foundation. We're like laying the footings for the castle. I give you your homework. You got the things of practice. This is what we're going to do. Our cool next session. We build from session one session. And normally in the, in the training program that I offer, it starts off with three sessions. And then of course we do a few multiple you know, follow-up sessions if needed. We've got access to group classes after at least those three sessions so we can continue this uh, like for, for the long term. And hoping after three sessions, and in a lot of the cases, wow, I can manage my dog a lot better. My dog's getting better every day. We follow up every three or four months because of a few things that happen along the way. And that's like generally how it works. But you can't do a consult with me and go on, we did the consult, but it didn't work. And it's like, oh no, that was the introduction to the training. Like I've got to teach you some of the skills. So then each time we see each other, remember we're like, so for example, the name game, I love this example because it makes so much sense. You walk down the street, you apply a bit of pressure on your dog's collar, you say your dog's name, run backwards and mark and reward. That seems like such a ridiculous thing to do. It's like, so I say my dog's name and he looks at me and I reward him. Wow. But the name game has like a myriad of benefits to our training, leash pressure, 
dog understanding its name and not desensitizing its name, understanding that, you know, movement is key, how to reward, reward events, all that sort. Like there's so many things that are happening in that name game. If you keep practicing the name game over and over again, that tethers to a range of other techniques through our counter conditioning and obedience training and through dealing with reactive dogs and knowing how to handle the leash and all of that comes through. So once I get people to drill that for a week or two, and then I see them again, it's like, see how you're doing that thing. Now we're going to do it like this. And they're like, Oh, is that what that, okay. I get it now. It's like, but I couldn't tell you step two without drilling step one, step one looked like crap, looked confusing and kind of um, elementary, but step two. Now remember, in the next two or three weeks down the track after session two, we walk down the street, we say our dog's name with a little tiny tap on the dog's lead. Dog sees a dog about to react. Hey, boom, boom, bang, um, banjo, look, boom. The dog looks at us, mark and reward. We continue walking and, the, and, and layering through some leash pressure along with the marker or maybe no marker, we get the dog into a good rhythm and that's how we start to get the process. But if you're not willing to see, get ready to session three, and only judge it from session one. And if you don't, and if the trainer can't explain that, look, I'm doing this, but this is going to set us up for other things. If you're not explaining that there, they're like, we did this thing, like we ran backwards and said the dog's name. And I just didn't, like, I didn't, I didn't understand. So we just like went somewhere else. If you're, as from the trainer's perspective, you're not explaining it. And from a client's perspective, you're not asking the question, hey, I'm really confused. Um, can you, like, why are we doing this? And I always stop, make sense? Do I have any questions? And they go, no questions, make sense. I'm like, so just explain to me what we just did. And they're like, I don't know what we just did. I'm like, well, then you didn't understand. You should probably should ask a question. So you feel, you feel like they're kind of just agreeing with you just to keep the lesson moving and not to, you know, not to maybe not to feel embarrassed to admit that they don't understand. Possibly. It was a, it was a lesson that my dad taught me because, you know, he was an accountant and did a lot of like, you know, um, financial sort of stuff and auditing and stuff. And when he was like teaching people stuff, he's like, you understand? And he goes, yes. And he goes, tell me what I just told you. And he's like, I don't know. And he goes, you always have to ask, do you, understand it and if you do then tell me what you just understood briefly don't don't give me word for word what i just said but it's like oh well we do this because like if you don't understand it right now and can you can't even say it in english how are you going to communicate to the dog when i'm not even here so you as from the client's perspective you can't you can't just expect that quick fix and just let it happen straight away it has to be a process that you need to go through and if you're jumping from one to another to another you're going to create such an um, such inconsistency that you're just going to lose yourself in the training and probably essentially give up altogether or get rid of the dog or whatever. And even worse situations can come from there. Um, so um, the last thing about the why before we go into the pros and cons was trainers that are overselling. So people that have just come into the industry, they put their prices as competitive as the 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 um, the more experienced um, trainers. When you're as a you as a client are going to research who it is that you want to see, you're going, well, this guy's price is the same as that guy's price. Um, he must be just as good and he's closer to me. I'm going to go see him. So price doesn't always equal competency or doesn't always, the higher price doesn't always mean a better service or a better product, um, even though you would like to think so. So it's not, re- our industry is not regulated enough to un- for us to be able to have different standards. It's just, it's like a wild, wild west at the moment of just, Everyone jumping in, getting as much as they can. Some people are, are, um, are taking advantage consciously of that and going, well, I can just charge $600 an hour because I can. 
and others are just ignorantly charging what they charge, even if they don't have the experience. And I think that's where people are getting sucked in as well. Like what? And that was under the why. Why seeing multiple trainers? Well, I thought he was good. So I just went to him rather than doing the research and asking the right questions, I guess. Any thoughts yeah. on that? Yeah. The flip side of that argument as well is like, you know, well, how cheap should it be as well? You know, versus well, like it's, 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 it's unregulated. So like there's not even a guideline anywhere. So I'm not saying it should or shouldn't be. I guess yeah. I was just trying to ask the question, why have people chosen somebody who isn't good? Is it because they do good marketing, but they're not good dog trainers? Or is it a price-related thing? Um, you know, it's difficult. Like there could be a course for, let's not talk about dog training, but it could be a course for anything. And one course is $1,500 and the other course is $10,000. And you're like, well, the $10,000 one may be better. Now, some people say, wow, this looks the same and the $1,500 one is cheaper. So I'm going to go for that. Like, so depends What's on the, the most psychology. you've ever heard of a dog trainer charging? Um, oh, I've heard like something like some trainers from what I've even seen and heard from others is that they've charged like $700 for like an hour and a half or an hour what? visit. People yeah, yeah. yeah, and then people pay. Sorry, it, right? I'm losing my voice. That's all right. Um, I'm losing my voice from the shock of hearing that. <laughs> Seven hundred bucks away. for how long? An hour and a half. Something like that. Again, I don't not think lawyers it. charge that much. It's it's craziness, right? Um. So and then again, yeah, people pay it. I'm like, well, then, damn it, maybe I should make myself seven hundred dollars an hour. Um. But then, what's the longevity of that? You're seven hundred dollars an hour, even if you're really good. How many? Like, if you require, if it's like a dog aggression aggression case. Like what you and then and a lot of trainers say this. And this is like a big one that you should probably be aware of. Is we guarantee so it's one session and one session only. You can. This is what I've heard. This probably guy wasn't seven hundred dollars, but I heard that he goes. You're only allowed to see me once, and it's a guarantee. And we will always have like phone consult follow ups or something. And I'm like, all of that doesn't make any sense. First of all, how can you guarantee as a general policy that? You only see me once and it's guaranteed. Like, how does that even make sense? Mm. Like, that's a red flag straight away, right? Um, with me, you can right now, npdogtraining.com, and you can see my prices are all just there. They're just, they're there. Uh, there's not like inquire and I'll give it to you. Like, I've put my, I'm transparent. These are my prices. This is what I charge. Uh, and every program and every individual single session, it's all just there. So you can make the decision for yourself. I'm not trying to hide anything. I'm not trying to base it on anything. That's just my hourly rate split up into different hours, right? So um, I think it's important that you just, if you're a client and maybe a trainer, is that think about how you're marketing yourself. Because if you're going to be $700 for an hour, how, how much, how many sessions can one person actually afford so you can actually get real results? Otherwise, you're going to see four people and they may not get the results that you, that you promised. And then they're just going to say, they're, they're definitely not going to say good things about you and they may even say bad things about you. So you want to work on good reputation, a good word of mouth, and especially in a small sort of network, you know, the, the news travels fast, right? So I think it's important that we have a bit more integrity about our, how we conduct business and not just try to rip people off because you do it on a Sunday on your day off, you know what I mean? Like I think there has to be a bit more integrity, otherwise you're going to ruin the industry um, and ruin people's dogs effectively. Mm. That's the problem too. <clears throat> it is un unregulated, but mm, I don't think I don't think you would want it to be regulated. To no, be I don't think so either. I, yeah. I'm not saying we should, but it's the people who would regulate it are not the kind of people that you would want in charge. 
no way. And then and the ones that are doing good work aren't on political boards and stuff, right? Exactly. Still right. in the work. So yeah, I, I agree. I totally agree with that. But um So it's a double edged sword. Yeah, I'm concerned um about the future of our industry, to be honest. That's why I guess one of the reasons why we're doing this is that we're putting enough information out there. We can kind of create a bit of conversation. Um we're putting ourselves out there to be like, hey, this is how we think and feel about certain things. And um these are the this is what's happening behind the scenes and um and it's important that we share the information, share the understanding, and hopefully good things come from it. I know like, you know, there's definitely bodies like the ISCP, like I'm a member, um, and they do good things. You can check them out to understand what that actually means. The International Association of Canine Professionals is what that means. And um and and they're doing good work, but the 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 numbers are, are definitely ag- against, you know, the the more balanced and rational trainers. So yeah, it sucks. Um, but anyway, the first thing are the pros, because I put why pros and cons. I want to talk about pros so we don't have to talk about too many cons. Um, so number one pro is getting a range of perspectives to gather more tools for your toolbox and filtering through to see who is actually good. Now, that is a pro, especially for someone who knows a bit about training, but then why are you seeking dog trainers? But if you, it depends on the state of mind. Like some people have like a savvy state of mind. They look like I saw this one person and I got a few good things out of it. I got a good charge. My marker got charged. I worked on some really good basic obedience, but our reactivity stuff couldn't be dealt with. So I, so then when I see that person and I'm like, well, you've got some good skills. Um, I'm going to now show you how to work on the, on, on, on helping the reactivity side of things and, and the, the lunging at other dogs. But what you've have, have as a foundation here is awesome. And now we can just work from there. So whatever you've learned there, we're not going to turn our back on all of it. Some things may be changed and some things may not be fully consistent, but at least you've got a good solid foundation where we can work from. So that could be a pro. Um, if you saw somebody who had some decent skills, um, somebody like myself and yourself, we could... I can go to like five different seminars over the next five months and go like, like, and now I've learned how to not get like information overload and like, you know, kick myself in the ass. Cause back in the day, I used to be like, Oh my God, I'm doing everything wrong. I got another seminar. Oh my God, I'm doing everything wrong. Now I've learned, Oh no, like we all do things differently. Um, I like what you did there and yeah, yeah, that was awesome. And there's mm, more than one way to train a dog. Yeah. And you can like, look, I, I learned something from this seminar. I'm going to um, take that away for the next three months and I'm going to try to input it into the into the, the way that I train my clients and I'm going to see what works and what doesn't work. And then I could add to my toolbox. So um, so that could be a good thing, especially if you're a trainer um, or somebody who like is well-versed with training. Um, and, oh God, I put two points into one here. I'm um, keeping an open mind. I guess that's kind of the same thing. So like you want to, you don't want to see one trainer and then go on training in and of itself doesn't work. And it's like, no, look, I tried one person that didn't, didn't work. And I've, and this is another thing I've seen in the last 10 years is around 10 years ago, when I got into it, the force free positive only sort of movement started to become a thing. And like a bit more of like a popular thing where like everyday people are going, oh my God, we can train dogs without using any pressure or without, you know, being force free and being, being all very happy go lucky. And what I've seen, especially in the last four or five years is they're like, at panels, we saw like five different force free type of trainers or, you know, people that don't know the words, they say things, they, they, they try to explain what force free positive only plus are, whatever the word, the terms that we use now, like they try to explain it 
in um, in their own way of what what that type of trainer is, and they're like, and 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 like all of it doesn't make any sense, and it's kind of bullshit. And I'm like, well, at least you saw that. How do now you define force free? Yeah, like in that yeah, exactly. Um, so um, put a halty on them, right? Um, well, <laughs> put a harness on. There's no such you, thing as force free. Would Hence you why they changed the putting word. a collar and a leash on a dog. Force? Like they keep changing the word because there's no word to to, to define what they're trying. I to would. Tell me. That's just my humble opinion. Yeah, tell me. If you put a collar and a leash on a dog and the dog walks in one direction and you hold the leash, have you not just applied force to the dog? Yeah, of course. And hence why they started with positive only. They're like, oh, positive punishment only? No, no, okay, not positive only. We'll go, we'll go force free. Positive oh, feelings? No, it's not force free. So, so then we go, oh, we're plus R, right? So, like, we're positive reinforcement only. Well, like, well, that doesn't make sense because all the other quadrants are working all in the same direction anyway. So, it, this is no, it makes no sense. But but the everyday people are seeing through that bullshit. They're seeing right through and they're going, this is, like, all very good after fairy tales. Uh, uh, usually after they've- um, They've paid them. Drained their bank account significantly as well. Yeah, that too. So, keeping an open mind is very important. Um, but the pro is you don't give up. If someone isn't good, you try again. And I think that's the most important. Like, look, I really want, like my goal is that I want to be able to walk down the esplanade and my dog not freak out and act like a lunatic every time he sees other dogs. And um, I've seen three other trainers that haven't gotten success, but I've been recommended by three other people to see you and and not to like, you know, toot my own horn and be like, look how good I am. But some of the feedback that I've gotten from clients recently that have seen three, four, or even five trainers, they've said, look, because the way that I like and the, like the compliments they've given me or the feedback is you don't just tell us what to do, but you explain why. And you go slow enough that we can understand the process, but we go through it swiftly enough that we can cover a range of things. And then I give them some like bit of homework to practice. So there's something to take away that they can continue to work on. And also we get our hands on the dogs and we actually train the dogs. And you don't just sit around and talk for the whole time. Like I want to talk and explain, but talking and explaining, that's what the podcast is for. And I, before I even see them, I give them their intro video of things to prepare for before the session one. And I give them a few links to certain episodes that I want them to listen to, but you've got the whole other 150 plus episodes to listen to. There's enough listening and talking done here. We don't, you know, I don't have to charge you to listen to us talk. Um, we, and especially when people have listened to enough of our podcast and then they're all, they're like finishing the sentences of one because, you know, they know how I talk. And I'm like, I think that's really cool and funny. Um, so I think that's, um, that's really important. But if you feel like you haven't had success, try someone else. Now, if you've seen five people and let's just say they're like all from different kind of spectrums of training and they've all said like a very similar thing, like giving you frank advice and like, or like you filtered through some of the bullshit and gone like, I don't think this dog is good for us. and most people told us to rehome the dog because it's unsafe for our child to be around our dog or something. I mean, like, yeah, everyone else is right. Um, you know, um, I've seen other trainers, I've seen other clients that have seen, you know, a few other reputable people that I respect and like. And then I'm like, oh, yeah, this person said to do that. I'm like, yeah, why don't you do it? And they're like, oh, I don't know. And I'm like, they gave you good advice. You should have done it. Um, this now just shows bad on you because you just want to, you want either someone to fix your dog or and do the work for you or you want to hear something that you want to hear and not hear what you need to hear so um that's kind of annoying um those are my pros can you add any more pros to 
what I've already said. I think you got it. I think you got most of them. To be fair, like look, you people like we said at the start, people are well within their rights to seek multiple pieces of information. Just you know, just make maybe just think: is it like is it for the right reasons? Am I did I listen to everything that the trainer that I paid money to and took the time to have a session with? Did I listen to did I listen to everything that they told me to do? You know, like did I give yep. it the true? Like did I let that sink in? Did I really try to apply it before I just jump to another trainer. Yeah, very important. That's that's the most important. Um, on the con side of it is that it causes massive confusion when, and even for the trainer, seeing multiple trainers because see, it's always the hardest seeing somebody who's seen multiple trainers because it's like, all right, normally when I see somebody who hasn't seen anybody, I'm like, this is what we're going to do. I'm educating you from the beginning. You may have experience with dogs in the past, blah, blah, blah. But I'm like, I'm, I'm building you from the beginning up so I can control how we start the whole training journey and understanding and, and application of training. When you've seen a bunch of others, I'm like, all right, um, tell me what you know. Show me what you've been doing. Like, because I want to kind of like either, as I said before, leverage from what you've already learned and kind of like, you know, ride that flow and then kind of like guide you into a, not a different direction, but kind of get you back on track. What I think you should be doing still utilizing. Cause like, for example, I say, you know, I give certain commands, but the other co- trainer taught them different, like the same behavior on a different command. Like even that can be confusing. I'm like, okay, so, you know, release your dog and some people say free and some people say okay and i'm like say okay to your dog and they're like oh but it's free i'm like well yeah whatever like it's just the release release your dog dishwasher. Purple you know? monkey dishwasher. Yeah. so in 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 this situation it's like i want to know what you know show me what you've been doing tell me what the other person told you so i know where you're at so kind of it's hard to start the session when you've already seen many people i think that's kind of a little bit confusing but also you can see the confusion on their face it's like whoa, whoa, whoa wait um luke told me for example to do this and I'm like, yeah, but I'm not Luke. So, like, I'm telling you to do this. And it's like, is that wrong, what Luke said? And I'm like, I don't think it's wrong what Luke said. I just think and I, maybe I shouldn't have used Luke because it's never been Luke said this and you said that because I think we do very similar things. It's like a, um, it's like a partner who talks about all their ex-lovers. Like, I don't give yeah, a fuck about all your yeah. ex-lovers. So, it's like, it's, it's like, look, the other, other trainer said that. I'm like, look, if you wanted the other trainer, what the other trainer would do, you should see the other trainer again. But um, what, like, that there... I, I would say we're going to do this a little bit differently. Now, sometimes, and then the confusion is it's like, but the other person said do this. And it's like, I know this is going to be confusing for you because now I'm trying to change even the way you hold the leash. I'm like, I like you to leash lock this way. Like, I know someone else showed you this. I don't like that. We're going to do this. Or you see the slip lead on and, you know, from like this other person, saw this other trainer and I'm watching the slip lead on and there's a front clip harness. And then when the dog lunged at me, they didn't use a slip lead to pull the dog back. They grabbed the front clip harness to pull the dog back. As soon as they pulled the front clip harness back, the dog like flipped out and went even more reactive and lunging at me. I'm like, bro, grab the slip lead and walk away. But the slip lead had the stopper so far up that the, the, the slip lead wouldn't close onto the dog. And I'm like, why is like the stopper so high? And they go, that's what they said to put it. I'm like, ah, this is drilling, drill mad. <laughs> so, um, so it's um, so it's confusing because it's like, but the other person didn't say to do that. So, um, so you're gonna be so the next thing here is like paralysis by analysis. You're just gonna be freaked out, especially when and the worst type of multiple trainers is when also um, 
I've been doing lots of YouTube training and this is where I'm at now. I'm like, man, YouTube university. Even, yeah. I'm like, that's even worse. That's worse than even seeing anybody. I'm like, look, no more YouTubing until we've given this a good crack because you're just going to freak yourself out with so much different, a myriad of techniques that you've never seen any of them through. And the problem with YouTube videos or even our podcast or whatever is that everything's in context. Like, yeah, this is the technique we did today. You watch my story, but it's like, that's not going to work for your dog though. Like it works for this dog that I'm demonstrating with, but it's not going to work for the dog over there that you're, you know, like your dog and you're the person watching the video of me doing the technique. Even though I said, this is the technique you should use. Maybe I should be clear that this is the technique you should use for this dog. So like at the moment, writing this training manual, um, I'm like, look, this, and every time I've given like advice, it's like almost like every single topic is like, this is general advice in like general in nature. And this is how I would generally use it for like the for the majority of dogs like you know the um not the bottom 20% not the top 20% but like you know from you know right in the middle these are the dog this is what would generally work but again if you need specific advice you need to see somebody and if, if, even when we're explaining our Q&A it's like look I'm trying to answer your question the best that I can but I don't know your dog I don't know you I don't know anything about your situation so there's no context to give this answer to so I think that's also and another thing that could be um, that could paralyze you and it, obviously inconsistency, you're doing one thing for three weeks. You saw another person for three weeks. You did a couple of YouTube, you know, videos. And then now your dog's like, I don't even know what the hell we're doing. You reinforce a bunch of different things in the last month and a half. He goes, I'm just going to do what I do best. I'm going to bite you every time I get confused. <laughs> <laughs> seems the dog fair. keeps biting me. Yeah. Seems fair. Um. And not seeing the training through to get to the end result. We kind of explained that before. So each session builds to the next. So that's a big con because you haven't seen like, there's no, like, I don't have a system or I don't have a method. I have methods and I have different systems and I fit them into each dog that I'm using like um, specifically. And the good thing about going and meeting people or going into their houses in particular is that like the way that I like to conduct my work is, Hi, how you going? My name's Panos and Barn. I get to see you. Are you a mom? And are you got are your kids here? And I can see inside your house. I can see the sort of person that you are. If I could judge you as as little as I can or as most as I can from what I can see in your house, the vibe that I get, the energy that you put off, the way you talk to me, the way you hold yourself, the way you talk to your dog, how your dog's managed. Is a dog in the crate already? Is a dog calm inside? Is a dog outside losing his mind trying to kill me? Gauging all of that. Gauging the way that you write down, I get people to write a list of goals or write a list of questions. I want to like look at what you've written and like, you know, where are you at? So I want to kind of like get all of that and absorb it all and go on. All right. This is the, this is the way we're going to take this session. And this is the way we're going to take that session for another person. And you guys could be friends and go at the end of the day over coffee and talk about your different experiences. But it, but, the, but it's like, Oh, you told me to do this though. It's like, Oh, you told me to do that. That's not inconsistent. Um, because it's tailored specifically to the person. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. So, um, so did the other trainer do that or are they just going through the motions of every single session that they see is all exactly the same. So I think that's, um, that's also very important that if you're not going to see the training through, you're just doing yourself a disservice and you're not actually going to get anywhere and you'll probably taint the training forever, um, or the behavior modification forever because you never really, are able to commit, which is something that you probably learn that you could probably learn from the whole entire experience. Is I am a bit flaky and a little bit wishy washy. I probably should be a little bit more 
structured in my approach to things because, you know, I train only like three times a month and I try to get this six pack, but, you know, I'm not really committing, am I? And it's like, probably not. And if you're not committing here, then where are you not committing elsewhere? Do you know what I mean? Um, which brings up other more deeper topics. Um, so I guess to wrap up, do your research first and don't be impulsive. Don't just like Google search the top one and go on, boom, we're going with them. They came first ranked on Google. They must be the best. Um, now, I'm probably guilty if I want my carpet cleaned. Um, I'm going to carpet cleaning Sydney. I'll probably check the first three Google searches, check their prices, maybe like a quick little review thing and gone, cool, yeah, just, you know, call that guy. Um, probably. Um, so maybe I could be the same. Like, and again, we're not talking about cleaning carpets. I get it. We're talking about living, breathing organisms that, you know, need, um, you know, good love and care. So you should probably do your research first, not just, and look at the reviews, but like, kind of like read the reviews. Don't be like, oh, look, there's like 122 reviews and they're all five stars. Awesome. Like maybe you should read the reviews. Are they real reviews? Are they fake? Are they even gen like, is it like, yeah, I saw Joe and he was awesome. I'm like, that was your mate who wrote that review. <laughs> um, you know, so like actually read them. And also for me, I think, look, I've got enough videos of me training so many different dogs over the, over the years that you can get a gauge of how I train. I'm pretty transparent. We've got the podcast that so you can listen to all the information so you don't have to listen to every single episode. But if the trainer has a couple of pictures of nice, cute dogs on their profile page, like Instagram or Facebook, et cetera, or their website, like just a couple of photos, I'm like, I don't know. Can't you show me some of your training? And I kind of annoys, annoys me too. It's easy to make a website or an Instagram look good though. Yeah, no, that's of course. But like, you know, again, you know, you want to have a bit of like common sense in a way, if I could use that word, um, to be like, well, someone's knocking on the door. Oh, it's a dog's tail. Sorry. I'm like, that's very consistent <laughs> knocking. And my son's yeah, asleep. telling me Leonardo <laughs> and Tanya are away? <laughs> no, they're coming back today. Um, but um, the dog's tail was wagging. That was chilly. Probably hearing my voice getting a bit loud, getting worked up. But um, just don't be impulsive. Do some proper research. And yes, of course, an Instagram page can look good. But also, and again, if you don't know what you're looking at, then what do you know, right? But um, But if you're a trainer... Put the best videos that you can up and like and put yourself out there a little bit and don't just put like just a couple of photos because you don't like I don't like talking to the camera. I'm like, but you but you talk for a living to people. You should be able to talk to the camera, show your skills, and not just show your dogs, show you training other dogs, show their your clients showing um training their dogs and be consistent. And then if you're a client trying to look for a trainer, that's what I would do. Um, and we've already said this, but I'll close on this is. Cost doesn't always mean a better service and product. So don't just be, let that be your only um, gauge of is yeah. this trainer good or not. I think that's um, really important. But oh, we went all over the shop there. That was definitely very hard to follow this list from top to bottom. I guess I went back and forth all over the shop, but I hope that made sense and it wasn't a ranty um, episode, but um, it was worth um, talking about. And um yeah, if you have any questions or any queries about what we've discussed or if you've been somebody who has seen many um, trainers and there's something that we've missed that you would like to um, reach out to us and explain, you can do that through um, Instagram. Is probably the best way to contact us. Um, just DM us on, on Instagram, Life With Your Dog Podcast, um, all one word. Um, and 
that's all I have to say to you people today. What about Thank you, you bro? for listening? You know where to find us. And, yeah. Uh, Until thanks next as time. always. We'll see you guys next time. Much love. Bye. Bye bye. Thank you for listening to another episode of Life with Your Dog. Please share with your friends if you're enjoying our podcast and leave a review on Apple Podcasts to help others find the show. You can also find us on Instagram and Facebook, Life With Your Dog Podcast. My name's Panos, and to keep up with my dog training adventures, tips and techniques, you can find me on Instagram at np underscore dog underscore training, my website, npdogtraining.com, or my YouTube channel, Nutris Pooches. Thanks for listening, guys. My name's Luke. If you'd like to find out more about my dog training services, you can find me at www.kizuna, that's K-I-Z-U-N-A, canine, C-A-N-I-N-E, dot com, dot A-U. Uh, I'm also on Instagram at kizuna canine training. Thanks again, and we'll see you next time.